As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Panther Puri. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Alex Lopez and TJ Peterson. And uh, joining us today, a very, very special guest, uh, my thoughts about the new Fire Emblem game, because nothing else relevant is, is really going on right now. Uh, can't imagine a, a, anything about a dominant Panthers win. I don't think All-Star break uh, happened already. Uh, the most pressing thing we have to talk about is uh, is the new Fire Emblem game, um, which I has been out for about two and a half weeks now. Uh, and I am well over, probably nearing 150 hours uh, which if for those of you who listen to us because you are fans of numbers, uh, is a lot for, for yes. roughly seven. Do you sleep? <laughs> I don't think uh, Jake shockingly I do actually. And I think a couple of those hours, not many, but a couple of those hours are probably from falling asleep with my switch on. Yeah, probably. Uh, and that, and that being the time it takes for the switch to, idle and ultimately go into rest mode. Uh so I do think a couple of those hours are are that. Uh but discounting that I'm still easily over a hundred hours. Well that's 150 pleasant hours for you. But on Monday it was one unpleasant hour for Andre Vasilevsky. 60 minutes of getting shelled, giving oh, up seven goals. What a game. And what a game. overall the Panthers were the much better team all night. Now, seven to one was definitely a little bit of Bobrovsky being a lot better than Vasilevsky was that particular night. But at the same time, yeah, they they really gave it to Tampa in every way. And it showed by the end of the game. Yeah, it's very rare that there is such thing as an earned seven one win. And, and by earned, I'm saying, you know, the XG is a seven to one differential. That was not the case. On Monday night, the Panthers still did have a pretty substantial lead in XG, but part of it was Vassy didn't have his best night. Um, Bobrovsky was awesome, and honestly, the Panthers, for the first time all year, we saw 60 minutes of the 21-22 Panthers, where they just dominated the game at long for long stretches of time, and that was both with and Bark and without Barkov in the lineup. It was really great to see. Um, I'll put that caveat in there. We don't know, you know, how motivated Tampa was, you know, first game after the all-star break. They don't really have the the Panthers too. Yeah. Yeah. But the Panthers, the Panthers need every single win. Tampa can afford to take a, you know, take an extended all-star break and go through the motions on Monday night. I'm not saying that's what they did because their, their XG output, you know, was pretty impressive as well. So it wasn't a game where the Pan- they were just sleepwalking. The Panthers took it to them. I'm just saying, yeah. let's not all jump to, uh, oh, yeah, Panthers are making the playoffs. They're going to 
they're going to play at a 0.7 win percentage the rest of the year. They need to play like that the rest of the season. I'm just saying, you know, let's account for the fact that Tampa probably wasn't putting forward their best effort. I refuse to acknowledge that. Uh, the Panthers just deservedly shelled the Lightning, who were also trying their hardest to win the game. Um, yeah, I think they were trying, <laughs> but Alex is getting at something that I agree with, which is that it was the first game after the All-Star break. Eight day, you know, eight days between games for the Lightning is, you know, they're, they're, they were rusty probably because they're not coming into practice as hard as the Panthers were, you know. So I guess that it is somewhat that they weren't trying to be sharp, but it did certainly look like in the first period they were going really quickly, keeping up with the Panthers' pace and, you know, adding their own intensity to it. It's just that they weren't really prepared. And that's probably because like Alex said, they didn't really care. So I ended up agreeing with you. There is one kind of interesting thing about the XG, uh, according to money puck. Uh, yes. Vasilevsky had an awful game and yes, Bobrovsky had probably his best game of the season. Um, but the XG is Panthers 4.34 to Lightning 3.66 for a final score of 7 to 1. The XG was exactly eight total goals. Wow. There I, just find that, I just find that to be a little kind of interesting. It's pretty rare. Yeah, that's some fun math. I, I think that's I think that's pretty rare to, to see that the XG perfectly equals the total goal scored. It's it's pretty uncommon. For an XG to be an even number or a whole number, All right. I suppose. We cannot we cannot stop talking about this game before we give Matthew Kuchuk his flowers. Oh my goodness. Because he absolutely dominated the lightning. He was the singular force in this game that just eliminated the lightning's chance to win. Like if he wasn't playing, the lightning legitimately might have won that game. Matthew Kuchuk, fresh off an all-star MVP. Uh, designation, by the way, mm-hmm. right? Which we'll talk about in a second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna clarify a little bit on you, TJ. Carter Verhage was pretty bleeping good in that game as well. Yeah, Verhage yes. had four points to Kachuk's five. Our first line of Verhage, Bennett, and Kachuk was all outstanding. Yeah. Um, another player who I think deserve thinks deserves some credit is uh, Aaron Ekblad. Yes, I thought that was the best he has looked in months, regardless yes. of like actual output. But like, he was moving so much better. It wasn't he wasn't Mark Stahl slow for the first time in months. You know who also had a good game was Mark Stahl. I mean, did anyone you know have a who bad also had game? a good game is Eric Stahl? Yes, <laughs> he embarrassed <Yeah>. Vasilevsky. <laughs> yeah, that, that was so much fun to see. Vasi does that from time to time. Where he'll, I mean, he's one of the best in the NHL playing the puck, but like every once in a while, he just caught, gets caught way out of position. Just a little bit overconfident, maybe. Yeah, a little over, a little overconfident, a little bit like, hey, I'm that good, so I'm gonna take, I'm gonna be further out of my net than you know, 95% of other go- goalies. And you know, every once in a while, he gets burned. I remember Lusterine doing it to him, doing it to him a few years ago, and that two-game series to end the year where Panther fans got all excited and then we ended up losing in six. But, like, Bassey does that. He turns the puck over and gives up goals. Fun fact. uh, Despite the remarkable seven goals scored for the Panthers, only five Panthers forwards had a point. Well, yeah, you had two. I mean, the Verhage line had 
the Verhage line. <laughs> what's the most? Goals? What's the most like our podcast's identity way that you could possibly refer to that? Yeah, <laughs> Matthew Kachuk is also there, and Sam Bennett is the center. The on center. That line, yeah, yet it's we call it the Verhage line. Uh, but yeah, it was Kachuk, Verhage, Bennett, and then Etu and Eric Stahl. Those were the only forwards that had points. Seven forwards were held without a point. Five-year goals come from one line. Like that's you're gonna but have like a night that's like that's that. across all situations. It's not like Kachuk only scored at five on five. True. You'd True. think that a Sam Reinhardt might get in there. You'd think that a Barkov before he got injured might have gotten in there. You'd think that I don't know Anton might have gotten in on on one, but nope. Oh, the Kachuk. By the way, can I can I just bring Etu it up real and, quick? And Eric Stahl. Can I just bring up that 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 Barkov Lundell Reinhardt line doesn't work? Like they flat out have oh. a negative goal differential. Barkov's worst on ice XG differentials with that line. Like the only the reason that the Panthers are succeeding is because Bennett. Though. No, because they're minus. I guess that's true. Yeah, that's it. It doesn't yeah, work. Like fair. The 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 reason that the team is winning is because Bennett Verhage Kachuk. It's awesome. And, but they probably got to figure out a way to get, like, I don't know, Alexander Barkov involved a little bit more positively. And, you know, Anton Lundell and Sam Reinhardt, I know that, like, you might be tempted to say, well, he just had a bad shooting percentage in the first 20 games of the season or whatever. But both have had really disappointing seasons. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure I would say that Lundell has had a disappointing season. Oh, you have to say that. I don't know how you cannot say that. Uh, no, because like his, his scoring has fallen off, but his defense has improved dramatically since last year. The scoring can come back more easily. Seeing yeah. for sure that he's a, an effective defensive center at the NHL level is very exciting to me. But I, I would like to see him play better. You're not wrong that you know you want like we wanted to see Lundell take that next step, especially if he's going to be your two C of the future guy you won't trade unless you're getting a superstar back like you want to see more but i don't want to call it a disappointing season when there's a lot of variables at play in the sense that like you know reinhardt who's probably in his most common line mates had a bad year um they really didn't find as much scoring depth as they were hoping for out of cousins uh balsers and white and then you know they had the injury issues so probably just being a little bit too positive on for Anton Lundell because you know we have I have such high hopes for him and I don't want to call him a disappointment but I, I just think there's enough at play where you don't want to use that disappointing term just yet okay well my expectations for him going forward based on like a hundred games of any NHL experience at this point I guess is that he's going to be a middle six primarily defensive but good for a 60 point season here and there kind of player you know, I, I compared him to Mikhail Granlin, which is kind of a lazy comparison because they're both Finnish. So I guess I'd say, you know, maybe also Charlie Coyle, maybe Eric Halla. No, although Eric Halla is better more than Coyle and Halla. Not for me. That's my opinion. Though. If you look at if you look at his offensive output last year and the defensive output this year, if he can put those two things together, which would be the next step then you're extremely happy for him to be your 2C going forward, period. Sure, but that's not my expectation. Your expectation isn't <laughs> Anton Lundell being a good 2C? No. 
I expect him to be a bad 2C or a really good 3C. Come on. He's 20 yeah, years old. I just don't see the offense. Shown... What do you... Did you not watch last season at all? I watched the whole season. I know. So how do you say that you don't see the offense? He was extremely effective offensively last year. No, he was playing with Marchman, who went absolutely crazy, and Sam Reinhart against third-line competition. I don't want this to be a whole referendum on Anton Lundell because at 19 this is my, this, these are these are very yes, early expectations there's, at there's wide ass variance for a 20 year old I wouldn't be shocked if he became a first line center I wouldn't be shocked if he was out of the league in five years that's what it's like I w- being I 20 be years old he's out of the league in five years I would be surprised but not shocked I think Anton Lundell is your prototypical high four middle 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 tier ceiling if I say middle tier is I don't see Anton Liddell becoming the next hundred point, you know, top no, five. No, center absolutely not. But, but he'll be a sixty to seventy point guy who's responsible defensively. See, I think that's the ceiling for him. I don't think that's the expectation. I think that's my expectation. A, six, a fifty-five to sixty point player who's very good defensively is the expectation. A seventy point player would be exceeding expectations, and you know, we'll we'll see. But again. I don't I'm assuming that scoring is going to continue increasing across the league when I say 60 to 70 points. But Fair. I just don't know if he's the type of forward that can capitalize upon the the scoring that's going to increase because he just he's just not dynamic he enough. I think he he just he just doesn't have the agility is the way I would put it. It's not necessarily that he's a slow skater, but I just don't see him sh- being shifty enough. Like, I, I don't see him beating a lot of defensemen in a lot of ways other than, like, you know, sometimes he can pull off an awesome deke, but, like, how often does that work even for the best players? Like, you got to be McDavid to be deking defensemen on every shift. Uh, yeah, I expect Lundell's offensive awareness or offensive impact to be from his hands. I mean, we've seen it happen before. Like, a guy like Paul Stastny. Yeah, he's in the never- NHL. Every never single NHL agil- player can pull off a deke every now and then. But like Paul Stastny is another guy that like does not have very much agility. Sure. And he still was a very effective offensive player. Yes. But he like had exceptional hockey IQ, which is a way that Lundell could become that guy. Is if he just That's like continues to think the game at five years you know, older than his actual age. Which right now he is. He's he's thinking the game like a you know, a guy that's about to hit UFA when he hasn't even exited his ELC. I just don't think that he's particularly physically gifted, which I would be worried about in terms of him hitting the next level, which like, like, like Alex already said, high ceiling. So he's probably going to be at least, sorry, high floor, high floor. That's what I meant. Sorry. Thank you, Jacob. High floor. So it's, it's, it's relatively unlikely that he's going to get any worse than he is right now. But yeah, I, I don't <laughs> want this to be the, the Lundell referendum episode, like I said, yeah. but I mean, look, yeah, I, I would like to put the, the baby Barkov stuff to bed. I don't see him being that good. Yeah. Um, But a strong one B. Sure. I, I, more... I expect a, him to be a good two C. 
I like I even tweeted about it when the when the Lundell Barkov Reinhardt line first came out. My very immediate reaction was this is good short term because it'll help Lundell get back on the score sheet, but he needs to be playing center. Hooray, I was I right. think that he should <laughs> he should play center. You should get E2 on his line again because you need to have three capable lines. You've clearly found something with Verhage, Bennett, and Kachuk in that you have like a first-line caliber line together that doesn't even have your $10 million captain on it. And my thinking is that, all right, like Barkov is good enough that if you just tweak things around, you can find something that works with him. So I would say Anthony Duclair should be back soon. Yeah, Anthony Duclair definitely should be a part of that. The anticipation with uh, Duclair coming back into the lineup was he'd slot in somewhere on the third line. Maybe he goes to the first line and Lundell moves back to the third with Lucerinen and uh, Nick Cousins, and that's and that's how they do it. And then you know Lundell goes. I'm sorry, Lundell plays center, Lucerinen plays wing. And they could try it that way. Um, I think a Duclair Reinhardt Barkov top line could be pretty special. Yes. But, you know, we'll have to see what Paul Maurice wants to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, Duclair coming back will definitely really help the scoring depth because the one thing this team does not have right now is scoring depth. They're basically getting their goals from Montour, Forsling, Ekblad. And then Kachuk, Barkov, or Hanky. And Bennett. Yeah, and Bennett. But like, what I'm saying is like, way too many goals are coming from about six players. Yeah, yeah I agree. The last year dream of like, however many players with 20 plus goals is gone. But like, they need at least five or six guys at the end of the season with 15 plus. And right now they don't have that. No, I'm I'm hoping that Bennett eventually can hit around 30 this year. He's going to have to have a big second half but like based on the chances he's getting he can definitely do it and i mean that line is just now getting to the point where people are going to be so worried about kachuk so worried about Verhage that he's going to get a lot of easy looks and he's very good at getting to those easy look areas so that's that's i'm going to double down on sam bennett is about to like at least score 10 goals the rest of the year if he doesn't get injured yeah i i don't know that he has a huge chance at hitting 30 how many does he have right now 13 oh no, no way never mind i thought he had 18 or something no no currently verhage leads the panthers with 28 so verhage well, will hit 30 cake walk to 35 possibly hit 40 uh chucky's got 27 reinhardt's in third with 17 i mean i know barkov's missed a bunch of time but like barkov's gonna start putting the puck in the net and he can't, and it's not, and I'm not Barkov's talking in first. fourth. <laughs> Barkov is the fourth highest goal scorer on the team with 14. Yeah, Oof. but that's, that's Barkov's not, a, not no, it's, it's bad. It's bad. You need a huge last 30 games from Barkov where he is scored, where he gets 15 plus. Like you need to have it. Yeah. And the good news is that the uh, latest model from Dom Lushijin. And I think I actually did a pretty decent job pronouncing that. 56% playoff probability and a projected I, point total of about 50, or sorry, uh, 95.8. Yeah, that's reasonable. It's doable. They've got a ton of home games. We've talked yeah, about mm-hmm. it. If oh, they can beat down the Lightning like that. To make the playoffs, but far from a shoe in Yeah, it really depends on the competition at this point also. 
because Buffalo in Dom's model is expected to take a swan dive at some point. Not that they're going to have like a 70 point season, but like under 90, which they're not playing at that pace right now. So if they continue not playing at that pace, then it becomes problematic for the Panthers. You know, every season, exactly eight teams make the playoffs in each conference. So I know that that seems like a simple thing to say, but it's not like every year eight teams deserve to make it and eight teams don't. That's not how it works. Every every year, you know, there are certain... Well... I, I think that like basically it's a little bit exactly how it works. If there if you don't have a hundred points, I don't think you can say you deserve to be in the playoffs. If you finish with the ninth or fewest points in your conference, then you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. I don't disagree with I, that, but <laughs> I would say that the number eight seed probably doesn't quote unquote deserve to be in the playoffs. If I that's fair. It's an eight-team playoff right. format per conference. The team that finishes eighth meets that criteria I mean, and therefore deserves uh, to be in the playoffs. Well, this this is like the cousin of if you score more goals than the other team, you deserve to win. That's correct. <laughs> let's, let's move. Let's I'm move glad on. you understand. Nonsense police is here. Let's move on. All-star um, game? Do you guys want to hear something crazy? Sure. So we all know that Matthew Kachuk is a living embodiment of Jesus Christ himself. Um, he has 71 points uh, on the season, leading the Panthers, naturally. Top 10 in the NHL, possibly top five. I don't remember exactly where he sits. I feel like it's six, but whatever. Uh, 71 points. In second place in points, for the Panthers is a tie between Barkov and Verhage with 47. Yikes. 24-point gap. That's how you win the Hart Trophy. And then, yeah, the, <laughs> that is dragging your team kicking and screaming into the playoffs if the Panthers get... Like, if the Panthers make the playoffs, Matthew Kachuk should win the Hart. Just, just outright. I mean... It's a 24-point gap. Yeah, David, but at the same but... time... Well, one McDavid is running away because he's on. I mean, I think he's on pace for like 150 points, which is yes. absurd in this this he era. Has 93 but, points already. We. But the the point I'm trying to make is, I mean, the Panthers are at what 51 games played right now, or is it 52? Might even be 53. Okay. Either way, 46 and 53 is a 70 ish point pace. Yeah. Yeah, that's not anything to see that it's it's not like the the beret years where it was like beret was at 90 something points and the next highest person was 46 you can't compare everybody to that because no one will measure up like that was an insane case of a player being a whole team right but what i'm just saying is it's not like kachuk's the best player on the team by far this season oh yeah but it's not like you know, yes, Barkov is disappointing by his standards, but like you're getting a career year out of Carter for Hagee, and Barkov is still, you know, a top twenty player in the NHL, even with a down year, or maybe call him top thirty this year. Like it's not slouches. The 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 issues are the depth isn't contributing and Ekblad is not Ekblad because he's been hurt and your goaltending's been trash. Those are your main issues. Not that Kachuk's the only forward scoring. 
Yeah. One aside, I think it's kind of bizarre that Mason Marchman is really struggling lately in Dallas, and also the Panthers are really struggling to replace him. Like, it shouldn't be that both of those are true. I disagree. I, I, we all, I mean, we all kind of called the Marchman regression coming. Yeah. That's why we were excited that he wasn't, then we didn't sign the four by four. Like, I, we, we said it again. I mean, I know I was saying it. It's like Marshman's the guy who's going to get the four year contract, get bought out before year three because it just didn't work. Like, he was really good as a Panther, but there's only so far a high, high IQ hockey player can go when the tools just aren't there. And that's what Mason Marshman is. He's a big kid. Yeah, the big, the big tool that, in that he is big. Right. But he, <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't skate well. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't pass well. He doesn't stick handle well. Like he's got a really high hockey IQ and he's got size. And that could get you a long way. But in the wrong situations, you go from being a 55 plus point guy to a 20, 30 point guy. I'm curious to see who he's mostly been. I, whoa, he's been playing with Sagan. Sagan is not very good anymore, is he? Or is Sagan having a bounce back year? I don't think he's really having a bounce back year, but. He's having a better year. It's yeah. not having a Tyler Sagan year. Right. <laughs> that's that's what I'm trying to get to. It's better I than would, last year, but it's still not where you would hope that highest pay, highest salary in the NHL this season, Tyler Sagan is. You know, hockey viz wise, Marchman is having a fine season. It's obviously not what it was last year, but like, I mean, he's, if he's, I had his impacts, his 22, 23 hockey viz impacts on our third line, I'd be happy with it. He's he's underperforming his individual expected goals to a Sam Bennett like degree. That's unfortunate, but his yeah. on ice isolated impact is still positive on both ends of the ice. Yeah, what I'm saying is that like he's probably about to start scoring a bunch more goals. I hope so. All right, you guys want to talk all star? Yeah. Um, no. No. Okay. All right. Moving on. Uh, fire him. One more fire him. <laughs> <I'm kidding>. So. Uh... <laughs> Did you guys go to both? I know you, we all met up at the All Star game, but did you? We guys went go to, to the skills. Yeah, yeah, we we were at both days. Okay. So I went to everything pretty much that went on, except for I wasn't at the beach on Friday. That was pretty pretty much the only thing I didn't do. Yeah, um, beach event I thought was fine. I, I I'm a little disappointed that you know maybe it's my kid eyes from the the first time it was here, but like. I felt like there was a lot more going on at the event in the sense of like, you know, I felt like everywhere I go went, there was like someone giving away like copies of NHL 2002. I think that was the year it was, or I think it was three. Just giving away something or trivia contests or just stuff that was, you know, interactive outside of like the little booths where you can shoot a puck at, you know, um, a, a target or something. Like I felt like there was more of that 20 years ago. And I was a little disappointed at the, you know, the lack of interactiveness outside of, you know, grab a stick, shoot a puck and the massive air hockey table. But I thought the, the event was fine. The fact that they had so many people signing was cool. Um, you ran into Bernie Perron as well, right, TJ? Yes. Super cool. I for... thought he was super cool. Yes. Yeah. I, mean, I got a great photo with him. He like literally was like grabbing my kid, held his sippy cup. Like, I, you know, with, when you meet a Hall of Famer who's just that chill about it, like that's that's great. He should to have see. let Tommy wear his ring. <laughs> yeah, that would have been. Fun. He doesn't even know what a but Stanley it, Cup ring is. 
Um, yeah, I mean, not that, you know, Bernie Perron's a hero of mine because I'm not a Flyers fan, but it's just like, you know, if you're a Flyers fan who grew up idolizing Bernie Perron, like, you want to meet your hero because that guy was cool as hell. Speaking of meeting your hero. There we go. Yeah, that was that was, that was was some Kim's hit, right? I met Chris Chelios on Friday. Well, you got a story about how you were saying, like, oh, most influential <laughs> people that got you into... Yeah, yeah. So Friday morning, I fire off a little tweet just for funsies because it's it's the start of All Star of All Star Weekend, like the start of the actual things happening on the ice part of All Star Weekend. So I fire off this little tweet and I'm like, "Hey, here's a fun thing to do. Uh, What's the starting lineup of the NHL players who got you into hockey?" And it was a super fun little exercise. I got a lot of interaction on it, a lot of responses. It was a lot of fun. Uh, to put together, and my starting lineup uh, included Chris Chelios. Not eight hours after I fired off that tweet, TJ and I are sitting right up against the wall separating the upper bowl from the ESPN studio, desk, whatever. I look over and I I notice Mark Messier first. I don't even like I don't even register that Chelios there. Chelios's back was to us. I didn't recognize the back of him. But I'm I see Messier very clearly. And I'm like, holy shit, TJ, it's Messier over there. And I start thinking, well, if Messier's here, who else is here? So TJ looks over, he goes, Oh, well, that's Steve Levy uh next to Messier. And then it's it's like a, a an off time, like they're they're showing the skills or whatever thinking about, you know, who else, who else could be there? And I noted, I, I take a second look at the guy whose back is to us. And I'm thinking, well, Messier, who does Messier broadcast with? He broadcasts with Levy. He broadcasts with, he broadcasts with Chelios, doesn't he? And it clicks that the, the big dude with the dark hair next to Mark Messier, holy shit. It's Chris Chelios. A little while later, uh, Chris Chelios coming towards us because that's where the elevator is to go downstairs uh, from that area. And I kind of freeze up because I, I don't like like bothering people or inconveniencing them in any way. Fortunately, TJ loves inconveniencing people. So over me, TJ shouts, Chelios, this guy idolized you as a kid. <laughs> Chris Chelios comes over, shakes my hand. We talk for a minute, get a picture. It was a fantastic experience. He was extremely gracious about the whole thing. Uh, and holy shit, I met Chris Chelios. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I mean, that seems to be the theme of the weekend is if anyone had an opportunity to interact with, you know, active players or retired players, it pretty much was a universally positive experience. Like, yeah. everyone was smiling in a good mood. Um, yeah, it was fun. I mean, I don't really want to spend any time on the negatives of the event, the sense that, like, you know, the skills competition dragged on. Like, George Richards kept tweeting all weekend, it's a made-for-TV event. Um, also, the people, you know, the fact that the stands were empty, I've had it told to me by multiple different people that the empty area, empty sections were basically all of the corporate tickets that were given out and the tickets made available to local Panthers fans were pretty much sold out. If you guys noticed, Amaranth Vault was packed. 
like <laughs> maybe a handful of empty seats. Like those seats were made available to Panthers fans and they bought them and they showed up. Like how many regular season games are, are we watching on TV and the vault is empty? It was packed all weekend. Like yeah. the Florida fans, the South Florida fans did their job. They bought the tickets. They went to the event. It sucks that, you know, the corporate seats were mostly empty, but what are you going to do? I would like to know what it looked like on TV because the the section that was quote-unquote empty, uh, you can't really see from the typical camera locations. Oh, they, I'm sure they did a great job of making it look full during the, from the typical camera locations. It's more of since it was, you know, a different kind of event and they had, you know, cameras basically yeah. at ice level, you could see those yeah, other true. sides just completely empty sections like there's quite a few memes on twitter but again it's like you know i don't know i'm never really paying attention to how many people are there when it's in other places but being in yeah, the maybe. arena like it was glaringly obvious how empty that skills event was yeah mm-hmm. i'll say i thought that the couple of things that they did that were florida specific especially the uh the pitch and putt i that thought was that cool was cool as hell that was really cool Although I, I was the... I was mildly infuriated uh, that the prize for the winner of pitch and putt was a year's supply of Chipotle because like what the hell does Nick Suzuki need with a year's supply of free Chipotle? His NHL salary can buy like fifty thousand burritos. Well, Jake, it's just as well because as he <laughs> confirmed after the uh, after he won the Chipotle, there is not a Chipotle in Montreal. That's amazing. <laughs> no, that makes it worse. It does. So can he is, is will Chipotle like allow him to gift that to someone? We'll see. But I mean he can get it on the road. You know, he's I on the road 41 times like, a year. Man. He That's doesn't so he doesn't funny. need free Chipotle for a year. There are so many people who would need that. Nick Suzuki is not one of them. Well, so that I mean, kind you of could, you could say that about like Barkov's ten million dollars. Like, oh, he doesn't need all of that; he can give it away. I mean, well, yeah, I would I would say that if Barkov won free Chipotle for a year, <laughs> I would Barkov I would say right. that without hesitation. He <laughs> earned it though. Suzuki earned it by winning the pitch and putt competition, and he dominated uh, the splash shot. I I thought that it was it was good. But like the technical issues with the one side of the boards, which uh, people didn't really see unless they were at the beach on Thursday, kind of made it. Ten million dollars eh. buys you like over over eight hundred thousand burritos. Like a million burritos, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it was fun to see all the guys get uh, dunked, which like pretty much everybody got dunked at the actual event. I know they didn't show a lot of it on TV. It was like. How how do you have the yeah. footage of Shosturkin in the dunk tank and you're not using it? Like what the hell? Especially since he was wearing like a linen button-up shirt. And then like at the end of the event, he's the one shooting at the targets with a goalie stick. Like that was phenomenal. And uh the uh the goalie event, it would have been awesome, except for the shooters. They gotta give at least half a shit. Like that was awful yeah. in terms of the shooters not caring. Yeah. Because that event that was that was the best part of the skills competition, I think. That was so cool. The traditional yeah. events were pretty pretty dope. Like uh, McDavid going four for four twice was awesome. McDavid went eight for eight was, and that was awesome. The only reason he didn't make it to the finals because he hesitated for half a second, and was it Bo Horvat also went four it, for four? 
Car- it was Cadre uh, went yeah. four for five. He oh, actually Kadri just was going super fast. That was a really impressive run, but and allegedly Cadre was cheating. Apparently, he was like closer to the net than McDavid. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, so let's let that. him let's let him talk about that in Alberta for the next year. That'll be interesting. Um, the game was actually better than I expected. I thought that there were a lot of moments where guys were clearly trying pretty hard. They were skating fast, and I thought like the Central McKinnon, Pacific game was awful. I thought McKinnon the was playing pretty hard. No, the Central Pacific and... game was fun. I thought that was easily the worst of the three. No, yeah, uh, Pedersen was playing hard. Pedersen, I thought... Pet- watch Pedersen and Horvat, man. Yeah, they I know were it was just an well. All Star game, but they played really well together. It's it's too bad. McKinnon played well. I, yeah, McKinnon gave a shit. Um, the whole Atlanta Austin gave did... a shit. I would say the, the it was best, it was a lot of fun to see McDavid do three on Atlantic versus so. Metro was by far the best game of the night. Though, yes, for the day, for sure. Yeah, you had obviously the you know the Atlantic was going to give it a shit because they want to you know they want to win on Barkov right. and to Kachuk's home ice, but then you also had Crosby and Ovi playing together in an All Star game for only the fifth time in their career, and I think they both kind of realized like this might be the last time we both play because. We all know Ovi does whatever he can to avoid actually participating in the All Star game. Yeah. So except for this year, because it was in Florida. Right. It was. It <laughs> it's was like, well, I'm be there anyway. But like to see them actually give a shit and enjoy playing together, that was really fun. Like I was there with God, my best friend. The who was, goal. The goal that the those two scored on. Oh. They scored twice. I, I know, but there was the, the first game, I think, was just, like, so pretty. Yeah, they were just passing back and forth, and then the, I think it was, um, yeah, it was Olmark. There was just nothing he could do. It was a wide-open net for Crosby, and he still put it top corner off a deflection. Like, it was just, it was so much fun. But you could see how much they were enjoying it. Like, they got the last, like, two and a half minutes of the game when, Pretty much everyone else was just, you know, changing lines every whistle or every 30 seconds. Like, to see those guys like, no, we're going to, you know, we're going to enjoy this and play the last two and a half minutes out. It was really fun to see. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Dylan Larkin also for playing pretty hard and uh, really carrying. Oh, Larkin went hard for trying to get that, trying to take that uh, MVP from. Uh, <laughs> yeah, from Kachuk. He almost so, got yeah. there. Um one of the most underrated moments, I think, was the Mitch Marner had a pass over the net that led to a goal. Yeah, that, that was, was cool. pretty. That was pretty sick. I missed um, that. There was another like tic tac toe goal. That Brock I Nelson won the it. accuracy, won the shooting accuracy challenge, which like upset of the century, I think. <laughs> McDavid not winning it based on his performance was a travesty. Okay, but like Brock Nelson. Did anyone going in, and Islanders fans, leave us alone. Did anyone going in when when the competition is Kadri, McDavid, Panarin, Barkov, Drysidle, Hayes, Hughes, Kutrov, Tarasenko? Like, I would have expected Brock Nelson to finish last. And Brock yet. Nelson's good, man. He's good. he's just good. Like people got to accept it. He's American also. I know so, he's uh, good, but like I didn't expect him to be a, a more accurate shooter than McDavid and Kadri and Barkov and Panarin and Jack Hughes. And like 
and Tarasenko. Like, how does how does Brock Nelson win that event? It's very simple, Drake. He just hits the targets in the fastest time. You know what? That's a very good point. I guess that is the answer to how does Brock Nelson win that event by mm-hmm. doing the thing more quickly than everyone else does the thing. Mm-hmm. One one bummer thing that I do want to bring up. I know Alex said we don't want to spend too much time on the negative things, but this, you know, this is something that wasn't tweeted about ad nauseum. So I'll bring it up. Uh, so Saturday morning and afternoon, the the NHL has all these events planned for the beach, and Thursday and Friday, I thought they did a pretty good job. Saturday, it's pretty windy out, like definitely very windy, which you kind of expect because you're right by the beach. You know, it's definitely uh, more prone to that inclement weather. And the NHL just does not have any plan. They have to cancel everything because of wind. Like, I just don't understand. Like, you have all those hotels right there. You have all the restaurants right there. You can't just plan for, like, I don't know, 5% of the things to go indoors. Like, the, the amount of people that I saw tweeting about, oh, I already paid $40 for parking and drove an hour here. And now I don't even get to meet like Stuart Skinner or E2, you know, like I just. <laughs> or Eric Carlson. Oh yeah. Yeah. Eric Carlson was yeah. supposed to be Let's there. Get to the real reason you're mad, TJ. But TJ brought his Eric Carlson Jersey to the game on Saturday night. I tried, but not very hard to be honest. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Honestly, like, I didn't see many like, you know, I was by the benches for the whole weekend and I did not see many players like signing things for fans. Like during the skills competition, there was a little bit of it, but like it was very, you know, I didn't see many people throwing their jersey over the boards, getting it signed and getting it. I saw that happen once in particular during warmups or like at the end of warmups on Saturday afternoon. I don't remember which player it was, but I saw a player throw a jersey back over the boards. Well, that might be me at, at uh, warm-ups today for the, the Sharks game. I, I sure hope that Timo Meyer gets traded before puck drop. <laughs> Maybe the Panthers should just trade for Timo Meyer. With what? Day. Shut up. You that's tra- what. You want to trade Anton Lindell for Timo Meyer? I'd certainly in rather have Timo Meyer, but... Yeah, but uh, yeah, San Jose in town. Uh, so for those of you who missed the Eric Carlson signing on Saturday morning, uh, which was everyone because it didn't end up happening, uh, try to try to catch his attention at warmups. Maybe maybe yeah. you'll get lucky. Uh, yeah, I might have to ask uh, somebody that works for the Panthers or somebody that just knows how these things work if I can get my Eric Carlson jersey signed because it's just uh, burning a hole in my pocket. Yeah, so your say. your best bet, TJ, is go to the game, be there early enough for warmups, stand on the shark side with the jersey and a sharpie clearly visible, and just try to get his attention. Yeah, and yeah, come up with a winning sign. A sign would be good too. Please sign my jersey. No, here's what you do. You make a sign that says, it's my birthday. I know it isn't. You're (laughs) going to have to lie for this one. It's my birthday, and all I want is my Carlson jersey signed. Yeah, I'll I'll wear my Sharks polo. I actually have one. (laughs) Of course. So that'll work. Um, Last thing before we go, we haven't reacted to it, the Bruins game. Real quick, guys. That was awesome. You slaughtered a whole. Slaughtered a whole bunch of demons, you know, no third period comebacks, no wins in overtime. You slaughtered all those demons in one shot. So hopefully we can get some third period comebacks to finish the season because they're going to need them. Shout out to Eric's Alex Lyon. He was big. And I know that the he got a really raw deal leading up to the all-star break. Multiple back-to-backs, like 
Yeah. I mean, he played something like eight, eight or no, four games in six nights. Like that was ridiculous. And what a champ though. Just not a fair situation. Yeah. Like I'm going to try to find a game game used or game issued Alex Lyon jersey at inside the boards. Just, just cause they've all already sold. You think so? There's only a few. You know, I've seen there were only like four of them. Like the Vamos Gatos jersey. I've seen the guy wearing the lion one of that because it was only like 500 bucks. And I don't think they're that would have any of the other one. Those Vamos, I like those Vamos Gatos jerseys. They're so pretty. Bring those back as a third jersey next year. There we go. Nah, keep the reverse retros as the third jersey. Oh, we, we definitely need to mention this, but we won't really talk about it. Uh, Kevin Weeks tweeted potentially next year's stadium series would be Panthers lightning at Raymond James. So that's definitely something to look forward Uh, to. We'll get a third Jersey for that podcast road trip. Absolutely. Absolutely. Little bird steakhouse. Sounds like it. You buying Mr. Prosecuting attorney. Sure. Why not? (laughs) You guys can have salad. Fair. Hey, that that works. Rate us five stars uh, on the burn steakhouse menu. I'm sure that you can uh, just put the five stars, like just stamp it right on the menu. Yeah. That's how they do it in Tampa. Probably. We will not be going <laughs> to their strip clubs. Despite Unless what the, the Panthers... Panthers are also there. No, not even then. Like they're, they're trash. Um, I also want to give a shout out to former podcast guest, TJ Shalow. <laughs> He's launching the Charlotte checkers podcast, Charlotte checkers podcast. Uh, episode one is coming out soon apparently or maybe it's already out i don't actually know but he's a he's a good friend of the show and just a, a total mensch so go check out his podcast any any final thoughts guys yes keep winning games that's my final thought all right we're gonna let alex go just win baby for him and for jake i've been tj so long everybody i hope you enjoyed all star weekend all the fish that's right and uh let's get this dub in the next let's get these dubs in the next week As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 